0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Pitch the Podium for a very, very special debrief. The 70th anniversary Formula One Grand Prix. And as the name suggests, maximum was happen indeed. What a bold strategy it was, Kunal. Actually, before we get down to discussing the race, there is so much that we have to speak about in Pitch the Podium as well. And boy, we're having quite a gala over here, aren't we?
1: Yes, we are. And, you know, I'm going to start by saying absolutely, just so that Lucien <laughs> gets his laugh. And maybe you should return the favor as well, Somil, given that, absolutely. you know, chosen word <laughs> on the show. <laughs> but, you know, before we get to patting, Max Verstappen's back, let's sort of just put, put down what uh, we would love for you guys to come and see on our show. We've had, uh, you know, we have a playlist called Working in Formula One. We've had the legendary photographer, Mark Sutton. We've just had Daniel Ricciardo's uh, trainer, Michael Italiano, on our show. And that video is doing really well. We had Michael Ponisi talking about working in Formula 1 media and communications. So, you know, you guys are welcome to come check out all that content and subscribe to that playlist. Because we're definitely adding a lot more videos out there, Somal.
0: We are indeed. And let's actually go back to the preview video that we shot on Thursday. Over there,
1: we made a few bold predictions
0: as to what we can expect from the race. And I don't know about all of them, but thankfully we have got three of them, correct?
1: Yes, I think my favourite one was probably getting, you know, George Russell's prediction correct, which is that he will have another mega qualifying lap. And, you know, it's very heartening to see that he knows that he's got that one chance on the weekend to shine and he uses that chance to shine. You know, he's done it, I think, three or four races in a row and it's been pretty impressive. Uh, the second one was, of course, you know, Charles Leclerc using low downforce trying to get up the grid. And we saw yet another, uh, you know, my favorite word today is Alonso-esque race. You know, he's, he's getting the Ferrari to finish in positions it probably doesn't dream of finishing in. And then, of course, the has to be Max Verstappen using, you know, a different strategy to challenge and beat the Mercedes car Sommel.
0: You see, that's what I love about Red Bull. Regardless of the fact that it is, whether, whether it's actually looking at Formula 1 as a complete marketing exercise or having a completely unique team structure or coming up with some outrageous design concept or as we saw today, coming up with a strategy that nobody else even thought about. Going in from the alternative strategy from the get-go, from Saturday on, going to the hard tyres and boy, did it pay off handsomely for Max.
1: It paid off and you know, he's got second in the World Drivers' Championship in a car which is clearly the second fastest car, you know, by a mile. Of course, you know, Valtteri Bottas lost a chunk of points uh, last weekend when, you know, his tire blew and he had to sort of fall off the points. But who would have ever imagined that, you know, this could have happened? We were all looking at, you know, will Mercedes win all the races this season? And it it seemed like such a possibility. But let's remember a few things. Of course, you know, Max had to try the alternate strategy, which he did. But a couple of things which, you know, my race uh, notes have, you know, sort of come up with is for his alternate strategy to work, he was clearly banking on a safety car period, right? And uh, in the last eight years, the safety car has made at least one appearance at Silverstone. Okay, so that's one point. The second thing that he, of course, benefited from because, you know, there was no safety car period was the fact that the Mercedes cars were struggling in the, you know, sort of higher... Uh, tire pressures as, you know, Lewis labeled the Pirellis as balloons. So it was the higher pressures that sort of caused them a lot of blistering and, you know, you know, they had no answer to Max Verstappen's pace.
0: Exactly. And the thing with Max Verstappen is, whenever everyone else is having any sorts of trouble, we saw so many times again, we saw qualifying for the Syrian Grand Prix as well in the wet. Verstappen comes in. Verstappen is the man that he always you know, kind of bank on to be right there or there about. When someone makes a mistake, even though he'll not have the fastest car, he will do all that he can in his power to try and grab up the pieces. And he did so today as well. Let's speak a bit more about the strategy, Kunal, because Red Bull going for something different, going for something that we didn't really think about initially. I mean, we said in our preview video that they'll be going for maybe a strategy different to Mercedes, but we had no clue that it would pay off the way it did today
1: yes you know they 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 actually pulled off something which i'm surprised not other teams at least attempted to do you know but again you know Mercedes, uh, sorry red bull have max verstappen in the car who they know can pull off such kind of feats i would say and uh, you know to be to be very fair uh, they 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 were planning this all along the weekend you could see it coming like you like you said and for once i actually enjoyed uh, you know max and uh, you know gp his uh, you know his uh, race engineer they were playing with the Mercedes teams like, you know, Mercedes have been playing with everyone else in the last few races, you know. Remember to hydrate yourself and you've got exactly. Betty's, so, or, you know, sanitize yourself and, you know, Max, don't bother saving tires, just go all out. And I think it was, it was a fantastic race from a radio messages perspective as well.
0: Exactly. Tell you what though, he was not driving like a grandma at all. He was on <laughs> fire, Max Verstappen today. But thankfully, Kunal, a good thing as well, his teammate, Alex Albon, doing a good job too. I mean, for, for weeks, we have actually said that he's under pressure. He's not doing something right. It's that Red Bull hot seat that always gets you. Hey, it's a it's a good race for him today. We saw him making quite a few good moves.
1: Yes, he had a good race. I would say it was a qualifying that would have been a bit of a concern because, you know, Pierre Gasly again sneaked ahead of him in qualifying and, you know, various uh, reasons, I'm sure, which uh, Red Bull are aware of, which we publicly may not always know. But, uh, you know, frankly, I will put it this way. I'm happy to see Alex do what he did. But the question has to be asked. You know, if Max is able to pull that car on the top step, step of the podium, uh, you know, uh, is being off the podium even acceptable? for, you know, that Red Bull racing car on a day when Mercedes were actually struggling. And let's remember, if the field was closer, like, you know, it has been, uh, you know, for 2017, 18, and even, you know, till the first half of 19, maybe both the Mercedes drivers wouldn't have ended up being on the podium if the other cars were close enough. But, of course, you know, could have, would have, should have.
0: Exactly. That's the one thing that
1: we tend to go by,
0: but we actually should have. It's all that could have happened in the end. But let's look... Ahead, let's look at Mercedes because normally you would expect them to dominate this kind of race. And you know, the interesting part can all they've had such a big habit of winning every single weekend that their Twitter handle said, A tough day in the office for us. No, <laughs> that's that's the perfect example of a first world problem in the world of Formula One a team saying that they
1: had a bad day while finishing second and third. That's just Mercedes standards for you. I think they were just embarrassed that they had all these tire issues while the others didn't. They were just probably <laughs> a little, little upset that they couldn't take the fight to yeah. you know, on an equal uh, playing field as they would have expected. But my heart goes out to Valfrey Bottas, you know. Just what does he need to do to get a little bit of luck going his way? Because he put it on pole, which is crucial, you know, especially if you're fighting uh, somebody like a Lewis Hamilton. He had a very good start. He was leading from the front. He was the favoured driver when it came to all the tyre strategy. But still, he ended up being in a position where he lost points to Lewis and he lost a position to Max Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship.
0: And this sort of thing doesn't work out if you're competing, as Kunal mentioned, against someone like Lewis Hamilton. We know what kind of a tough competitor Lewis Hamilton is. And the crucial thing, Kunal, last week at the, at the British Grand Prix, actually bought us... Not really scoring any points at all, and that is a major vacuum that's going to be so hard to fill if Lewis doesn't have a DNF himself. That sort of a thing just really puts the ball in Lewis's favor, even though he didn't end up winning today.
1: Yeah, but you know, even Lewis Hamilton's strategy again, Mercedes had to think on their feet. Uh, a lot of people would think that you know, Mercedes favored Lewis and so on, but the fact is, you know, after a point, Mercedes realized that they, in- sort of choosing between one of their two drivers winning or which one of them winning, they had to just make sure that they try and win the race themselves. So, you know, sort of the team takes precedence over the driver's championship. And it was just unfortunate, in my view, that Valtteri was the driver who was second and not third. Because, you know, the way the the first pit stops played out, it just allowed Lewis to get track position and sort of try and do something different. And maybe it would have been the same way if Valtteri was sort of, uh, you know, not in the position he was in and he was, he was third where Lewis was in. So, again, you know, could have, would have, should have, but my heart really goes out to Valtteri Bottas. Because even on weekends when he puts in a perfect lap and does a perfect race by himself, you know, suddenly Mercedes yeah. is in the most dominant team.
0: Exactly. It's all, it's all really drifting away from Valtry Bottas. And you've got to feel for him. But calm down, Mercedes. 33 points from a weekend isn't bad. <laughs> but while on one side we're going to laugh about all this about Mercedes cribbing about a bad weekend, this is the kind of spirit that puts Mercedes at the very top for such a long time. It's phenomenal. But let's move down to one team who have been really struggling to find their spirit. Although, although the tagline says Essere Ferrari, it's not really that case. But thank goodness for Charles Leclerc. As you mentioned, Kunal, early on in the, in the video, he did an Alonso. And Alonso best performance by him, coming in finishing P4. And what was the secret to his success? Because on one side, you have a four-time world champion in Vettel struggling with the same car. And here you have the young Monegas putting in result after result.
1: You know, I think Sebastian Vettel is now getting the Kimi Raikkonen treatment at Ferrari. Okay. I, I Again, there's no way to prove this. So may, I'm as right as anyone who disagrees with me. If it was Vettel and Raikkonen in Ferrari this season you know Vettel would have finished fourth and Raikkonen would have finished wherever Vettel did and then everyone would have you know said that you know Kimi had the bad strategy the truth is you know in in Ferrari and Vettel's relationship we know that they're going through a divorce and they just have to live you know under the same roof till the end of this season and uh, you know Vettel for the first time actually went on to radio and say you messed up you know and he said that to Ferrari which you know Ferrari probably weren't expecting but, you know, uh, I know you started asking about Charles and I started speaking about Sebastian. But Charles is just making it work. You know, he's sort of that guy who's like, okay, I've got a Ferrari and I've got to go and try and score as many points in this race. And he's just going and doing exactly that. And, you know, he's making uh, what we spoke last weekend and have been speaking for the last 10 days. He's making a low downforce setup. setup work in his favor, whereas someone like, you know, Sebastian is unable to adapt his driving style to that. So again, not putting blames anywhere, just saying that, you know, survival of the fittest as, as Darwin, uh, you know, his theory is, is so popular. Maybe that's what's working for Charles. Exactly. It is so
0: much fun to watch Leclerc in this persona, when he's actually with a struggling car when he's actually going out there and getting 110% from a really ailing Ferrari. I love to see it. That's, in my opinion, Leclerc is far more impressive in twenty twenty than he was in twenty nineteen, and I'm sure you shared the same opinion too, as well,
1: Yes, yes, I agree. And let's remember, he was the only driver in the top five, or I would say even the top uh, seven, to make a single stop strategy work. Mm. Okay, which by itself is you know pretty commendable. That's also something Sebastian said in his post-race interview that maybe we should have tried the the single stop. But, you know, yeah. probably Ferrari are just not, you know, bothering about the car, <laughs> the second car in the garage, you know. But I, I'm pretty impressed with Charles. And like you said, you know, his 2020 avatar is definitely more impressive than, than his 2019. Of course, two different uh, circumstances under which he's performing. But, you know, given the challenges and the struggles that, you know, Ferrari are having as a team, he's definitely coming of age in 2020.
0: He is indeed. What happens next for Charles Leclerc if Ferrari struggles? That's a topic for later on. We can literally spend, and spend what, 60 odd minutes on that, speaking where to next for Charles Leclerc and where to next for Ferrari. But let's go, well, is, it, is it top or bottom? Because ideally in terms of the pace... Ferrari is supposed to be slightly lower down the grid than Racing Point, who have been in all sorts of trouble lately. But they outclassed him. I think it would be fair to say Charles Leclerc outclassed uh, Racing Point as a whole collectively. But there was so much hope around Nico Hulkenberg, Kunal. Came in, finished P3 in qualifying. Incredible result. I remember getting the ping, the notification, saying Hulkenberg is in P3. And I was jumping off my seats. Sadly, I couldn't watch qualifying, but that was something that really made my heart go... Calm. Uh, it's something that... It's a feel-good moment, right? When a driver like, like this comes back and puts in such a performance. But what happened in the race? Because we saw in the end, Kunal, they had to make a very unforeseen pit stop. So the, the real reasoning from Racing Point is vibrations. But is it really?
1: You know, it's a good question. Again, I'm making no suggestions, but I've just uh, you know read some data. Uh, from lap 32 to lap 44 of the race... Stroll and uh, Hülkenberg had the same lap times. And in the last five laps leading to his third pit stop, you know, his lap times were pretty much consistent as well. So there was nothing in the data which suggested that he was struggling. Of course, the team and the driver have both said that, you know, the tie wouldn't have lasted the race and he wouldn't have picked up the points and so on and so forth. So they, of course, you know, pitted him the third time, which saw him drop at that time from uh, fifth to seventh place. And in the meantime, Albin overtook... Uh, you know, Lance Stroll, which I'm sure they were expecting as well. So in all, for Racing Point, they didn't really lose a position. They they finished 6th, 7th. It's just that, uh, you know, Daddy Stroll's son, Lance, uh, finished 6th on a weekend when he was completely outclassed uh, by Nico Hulkenberg. Like you said, you know, P3 in qualifying, which to me and to everyone else in the paddock, including the likes of, uh, you know, Helmut Marko, was extremely impressive because... To dial in, you know, a car and to, over a single lap and to put it on the edge, literally, is far more challenging from a technical and a driver's point of view than driving 52 laps around Silverstone. Of course, I'm not trying to say that 52 laps of Silverstone isn't challenging, but for a driver to have just settled into a car and out-qualify one of the regular drivers, I think that in itself was a massive state- statement by Nico. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure he's just happy with the fact that he got to score points on his return and market himself that much more to a potential uh, team for 2021.
0: That should be so much fun, right? We're seeing Roman Grosjean being slightly disgruntled about his Theta Zars. He isn't really enjoying Formula One as much. We may, I'm not suggesting anything, but we may see Kimi Räikkönen not competing in Formula One beyond his, the end of his contract, which happens this December. Who knows? Nick Halkenberg could be in one of those slots. But this actually leads us down very well into the other part. I think the final topic that we have to speak about today, Kunal, it is the rest of the midfield. We've spoken about Racing Point. We have spoken about Ferrari. But there is Renault, McLaren and, thankfully, Alfa Tauri, who had quite an eventful weekend today. Pierre Gasly doing a superb job.
1: Yes, Pierre Gasly doing a good job. Uh, You know, Danny Kivat, of course, ended up scoring the point, though. You know, uh, I I was a little surprised. Of course, Kivat was just a second, uh, less than a second away from the points. But that's how it is. So, we had Ocon, Norris and Kivat take up positions uh, 8, 9 and 10. And just, again, goes to show how competitive the midfield is. Because, you know, somebody like uh, Carlos Sainz was, you know, running P5 last weekend and then he, you know he couldn't score this weekend, and McLaren overall just struggled a bit. I'm I'm just waiting to waiting for them to confirm it was all, if it was also the tire pressures that were raised and so on. But you know, in all, great to see Esteban score his points. Great to see Kvyat you know score his points after his big shunt last weekend as well. And uh, you know, for Norris points in his home race, and again, seven out of ten teams ended up scoring points in the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Now, the only unfortunate part for me was that the team that won the first ever Formula 1 Grand Prix back in 1950, 70 years ago, Alfa Romeo, struggled to score a point. And of course, they've struggled to score a point ever since the first race of the season. But, you know, that's how the 70 years have gone past. Yeah,
0: They really have. The Time can really be brutal for some people. Alfa Romeo, obviously, not in Formula 1 for quite a while. Just coming back in 2018 with a new repackaged name. But... Oh, has it gone wrong this season? And they'll obviously be looking to reset the page in 2022. trying to so actually come up with a solution that really works out for them. But naturally, all this just brings us back to the entire midfield battle. We can, we can probably discount Williams and Alfa Romeo because they seem to be out of the fight. What can we expect from Renault? Because it was, a, it was a good couple of weekends for them. We saw the last race, they were fourth and sixth. This one, they got a good haul of points. The next race could or could not be Spain. Again, we're not really sure about that. The whole pandemic is quite prominent in Spain. It's it's not like a rock concert that's prominent, actually. It's growing in Spain. That would be the right word. And Formula One has doubts over whether to go there or not. ELMS has pulled out of Spain, actually. So maybe Formula One could be next on the cards. But let's assume that we have Spain. Where where do you think Renault and McLaren would stack up? Because this is the one battle that we've all been waiting to find the result towards.
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, you know, I, I I think it's too late in the day to know if Spain is happening or not. So by now, if we don't know, uh, you know, anything, that means it's probably going ahead. That's my guess. I don't know if a last minute change can still be made because I'm pretty sure that there would be team members already, you know, at the Circuit de Catalunya setting up for the upcoming Grand Prix weekend. But, you know, talking about Renault, something very interesting that I, I have found. So, uh, you know, the only time they have had Two cars finish in the points was the last race, which is the British Grand Prix, where they scored uh, 20 points. But in the other four races, they've had just one car in the points, and that car has finished in eighth place, and they have scored four points in each of those races. So their score is 4-4-4, four, 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 and four. That's where Renault have been. So, I'm pretty certain that they want to try and score a little higher than just the number four, you know, come uh, the next race in Spain.
0: And that's one number that they'll actually discuss by the end of the season. Because four, of course, last lap, Lando. What's happening with McLaren, Kunal? I think that's the last thing we can touch up today on. It's It's been an iffy weekend for them, right? That, that's the only thing we can say today. It's been slightly off-color for McLaren off lately
1: you know based based the, the 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 you know based the stories i have been following on the weekend mclaren just admit that their you know their rivals have done a better job than them this weekend it could be down to multiple factors like wind like you know uh tire pressures being one of them as well the softer compounds being in use as well so you know in all i'm pretty sure they're just happy to have scored points because you know they're still fourth in the championship uh, you know with 53 points you know, racing point, uh, they, they could still be docked 15 points because that was the ruling till, you know, the, the penalty exactly. uh, was, was sort of appealed again. And uh, Renault is in sixth with just 36 points. So in a way, they, they seem a little secure out there. And, you know, in, in the Drivers' Championship, uh, you know, Norris would, of course, be a little upset to have uh, lost, uh, you know, fourth place to Charles uh, this weekend. But, you know, in all, it's just about, uh, you know, maximizing your performance every weekend. That's the stage where, you know, McLaren are in, in 2020. And speaking of maximizing, I think that's the note we can end on. Max Verstappen maximizing every single
0: lap, every single opportunity. What a race it was in the end. What a fun one it was to watch. Once again, Kunal, thank you so much for being a part of this debrief, as always. it's It's been a fun weekend. I think a fun couple of weeks at Silverstone. And maybe, I mean, hopefully at least, we can look forward to the next race at Spain.
1: Yes, I'm absolutely excited to end the show by saying absolutely one more time. (laughs) Just because we started with this. But yes, I'm going to see you guys and see you Samuel at another video, you know, in the next few days where we will look forward to the Spanish Grand Prix. And we will again start by saying absolutely. (laughs) Indeed. Well, once again, folks, thank you so
0: very much for watching this video and also to listen to this on the Inside Line Formula One podcast. If you like this one, please feel free to leave a like and share this video with your fellow Formula One fans. As always, it was myself, Kusama Lerora and Kunal Shah here with me and see you at another video. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.
1: Baconator is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator. Stacked with a fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free Breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be Baconating. We got Offer available at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time
0: during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required.